episode of Mass Murder Talk. We are your hosts, Janine and Tony Johnson. Hey, Tony. What's up, y'all? Welcome to our first episode of 2023. Yay. We are so excited to be back, and we are excited to see where this year takes us. For those of you that are interested, I will be doing my first Parasite episode in February, and I have decided that that will be on the podcast, so be looking out for that. On this podcast, we talk about mass murders, usually dealing with mental illness and or the family angle. However, we don't talk about school shootings. So let me say this. We are not therapists in any way. We tell the stories with the information that we have to the best of our ability. At the end, I will always ask, what do y'all think? Then we will give our opinions and final thoughts. So with all of that, let's start the episode. This episode is about Devin Patrick Kelly, who on November 5th, 2017, shot and killed 26 people and wounded 22 others in the Sutherland Springs Church shooting in Sutherland Springs, Texas. This is a long one, y'all. Get ready. Yeah, it took us forever to research this one. You know, uh, it's it's not going to be like an hour long, but it's definitely longer than my normal podcast. So Sutherland Springs is an unincorporated community, and as of 2022, it had a population of 550 people. That's it? That's it. It's literally one of those towns where if you blink, you'll miss it. It is located about 40 miles east of San Antonio. So let's do a little background on Kelly. Devin Patrick Kelly was born February 12, 1991, and was raised in New Braunfels, Texas, and attended New Braunfels High School. He lived about 35 miles from where he did the shootings. In high school, Kelly had a lengthy disciplinary record. He got in trouble for things like falsifying records, insubordination, profanity, and a drug offense. One of his former classmates described him as an outcast, but not a loner, who was popular among other outcast. A martial art, arts instructor who taught Kelly at the time said that Kelly signed up for his class because he was being bullied and he didn't fit in. Kelly graduated in 2009 with a GPA of 2.32 and a ranking of 260 out of 393 students in his class so he was about an average student. You know he sounds a lot like me. <laughs> How do you know what you remember what your GPA was when you graduated? Yeah, yeah, it was low. <laughs> uh, wow, that's not something I'd be wanting to put out there like that. Look, I was one of those kids that I, I liked going to school for the people and everything, but I was an outcast. I didn't really fit in with any group. That's kind of one of the reasons I joined the Army. Well, I can't say I did Well, my transition was different because I went to a mostly black school, then I got snatched out of that school and got put into a white school where there was only five other black kids. So I had to learn to keep up. So I couldn't tell you what my grade point average was when I graduated, but I, I'm pretty sure it was pretty decent. My grades were good enough to keep me on whatever sports team I was in. Okay, well, yeah, let's, let's not open up that can of worms. So after uh, he graduated, Kelly enlisted in the Air Force and served in logistics readiness at Holomet Air Force Base in New Mexico from 2009 to 2014. So, Tony, what does that mean? 
So a logistics readiness unit is basically just a unit that gets soldiers ready for deployments. They make sure they have all the tools and equipment and food that they need to train. Okay. So, as always, y'all, it's about to get crazy. Kelly got married in April of 2011, and in October of 2012, he was charged with assaulting his wife and fracturing his stepson's skull. Somehow, his superior officers found out and had him charged. He then made death threats against the superior officers who charged him and was caught sneaking firearms onto the Air Force base. Around the same time, he also made threats of self-harm to a co-worker. He was then admitted to Peak Behavioral Health Services, which is, mental health, which is a mental health facility in Santa Teresa, New Mexico. So, Tony, is that something that they typically do? Like, if you threaten to harm yourself, do they have you committed? So, I don't, I can't speak to what the Air Force does. I can only speak to what the Army does. And depending on where you're at in your contract, if you're in basic AIT or with a unit, if you're deployed, stuff like that, the Army can do different things. So one thing that is unfortunately kind of common in basic is getting put on suicide watch. We take away all of your shoestrings and all of that stuff, and a soldier or two have to sit there with you 24 hours a day. Anywhere you go, they go. And um, But one of the things that they can do is get you committed. Um, usually if you talk about har harming yourself or someone else, you'll get put on suicide watch until they can either get you out and into a facility or into straight into a facility right there. So how long are you supposed to be watched? Until they can get you into a facility hmm. or out of the army, one of the two. Oh, okay. So upon further research, I found out that Kelly was prohibited by law from purchasing or possessing firearms and ammunition due to his domestic violence conviction in a court martial which while which was filed while he was in the Air Force. Somehow the Air Force failed to record the conviction in the FBI National Crime Information Center database, which is used by the National Instant Check System to flag prohibited purchases. So that's basically why he was sneaking guns onto the base. Well, so as I, as most people know, uh, a military base, whether it's National Guard, Reserve, active duty it's federal property you're not allowed to have firearms on it what a lot of people don't know is a lot of px's or bx's uh one of the stores that we can go to to get food snacks basically like a gas station they have firearms in there for you to buy so the normal process is like seven days to get it off base um he could have just said, screw it, went off post, and was trying to sneak him on that way just because he wanted the firearms. He could have been trying to get retribution against his commanding officers and his unit. So there, there's several different reasons he could have been sneaking them on. So apparently Kelly was not allowed to leave because he escaped from the mental health facility, but he was apprehended 10 miles away at a bus terminal in El Paso, Texas. The military affairs director later recalled that Kelly had been there for several weeks until he was brought to court-martial. While he was there, he expressed desire for some kind of retribution. 
and he was discovered to have used computers to order weapons and tactical gear to a P.O. box in San Antonio. So, Tony, what do you think he meant when he said, quote, unquote, some type of retribution to his chain of command? I mean, now that we know what he did, I would say more than likely he was going to try and shoot up his unit. Um, I mean, it's, it's a high possibility. But depending on the unit, the day, the mission set, morale, and all that other stuff, there's been stories and other things, whispers of people being on deployments and not liking a specific officer, and that officer doesn't make it back, or a specific soldier. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, we call it blue on blue. Um, sometimes it's an accident, sometimes it's not. So, why is it called blue on blue? Military term, um, a blue force is kind of your team. So, blue versus red, red being the bad guys, blue being the good guys. You can say green on green. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we just kind of like make stuff simple. <laughs> I was about to say because blue on blue makes it sound like cops. Yeah, I mean, they use the term as well. So Kelly and his wife ended up getting a divorce in October of 2012. During an interview with Inside Edition, his wife said she lived in constant fear of him and that their marriage was filled with abuse. At one point, she said that he had threatened her at gunpoint over a speeding ticket and sometime later threatened to kill her and her whole family. I mean, I kind of knew at the beginning of this episode that it was going to have something to do with mental illness, but I mean, this just confirms it. You really feel like you have the, have the need to put a gun to somebody's head over a speeding ticket and then threaten to kill their entire family? I don't understand that. That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelly was brought before a general court martial on four charges, which were assault on his wife, aggravated assault on his stepson, two charges of pointing a loaded gun at his wife and two two counts of threatening his wife with an unloaded gun. In November of 2012, Kelly pled guilty to two counts of the assault of, of his wife and stepson, and in return, the weapons charges were dropped. He was sentenced to 12 months of confinement and a reduction in rank to Airman Basic. He appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces, but he was denied. In 2014, he was dismissed from the Air Force with a bad conduct discharge. So, Tony, what does that mean? What does a bad conduct discharge mean? All right, so I'm going to break it down to all you folks that don't know much about the military. The Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ, is basically the rules and laws that we have to follow in the military, whether it's Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, Border Patrol, they all follow under UCMJ. It's a lot different than civilian law. They can put you in jail for just about anything. You look at somebody wrong, that can fall under UCMJ. Bad conduct discharge is not good, but it's one of those punitive discharges uh, issued by a court-martial, and it's it's little less than a dishonorable, but basically the same thing. You can still get some 
health benefits, but you can't get them through the VA. Um, if you got a dishonorable, you'd get zero benefits, period. No health, no dental, no vision, none of the like, uh, you know how everybody hears about getting like a pension? You don't get any of that with either of those two. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, sounds like he was struggling once he got it, once he got put out or left or whatever. So now we're moving on to his life after the Air Force. So get ready, y'all. The fuckery continues. So after Kelly was released, he returned home to New Brunfels where he lived in a barn that his parents had converted. Shortly after he returned home, he was investigated for sexual assault, rape, and physical assault of his then-girlfriend. In 2013, a woman made a statement accusing Kelly of sexual assault and detailed the alleged attack of, that Kelly made on her. Kelly's wife then, who he divorced in 2012, made a separate statement that said for a whole year, quote, he slapped me, kicked me, waterboarded me, and held a gun to my head, end quote. However, the sheriff's office never brought charges against Kelly, and the case never became active because the, va because the victim did not respond to follow-up calls and messages from the sheriff's office. So, in my opinion, she was probably scared out of her fucking mind. I mean, who knows? He probably threatened her. From what I've read, that's probably a good guess. So on April 4th, 2014, Kelly married his then-girlfriend. They moved into a mobile home in Colorado Springs, Colorado. While there, in August of 2014, he was charged with cruelty to animals after he beat his malnourished husky. He was given probation and was ordered to pay restitution and other fees. The charges were dismissed after he completed his sentence. In January of 2015, an El Paso County, Colorado resident was granted an order of protection against him. I couldn't find out why. So, I mean, I have to admit, I hate that. I hate when people abuse animals. That is so unnecessary. I mean, let somebody beat on you. You That's know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't stand that. So, as we can see, dude definitely has some mental issues going on, and he's escalating. So, around this time, Kelly attended the First Baptist Church in Kingsville, Texas in May and June and volunteered as a helper for one day of vacation Bible school. He later stopped volunteering for Bible class and started becoming vocally anti-religious and posting about atheism online his social media posts on his social media posts he would try to preach atheism and describe people who believed in god as stupid which caused numerous former classmates to delete him on facebook and he also expressed an interest in church shootings so i guess to him i'm i'm stupid i guess to him i'm an idiot because I definitely believe in God. That's just it, period. So, Tony, what do you think so far? I mean, you know, you think he was going too far as to post his religious beliefs on Facebook? I mean, he has the right to post what he wants on Facebook. That's, I believe that everybody has a right to their opinion. Do they need to necessarily make it that public? No. But, I mean, it, it's got to suck honestly to be him at this point i mean all everything that he's gone through and who knows maybe i've been to churches where they kind of bully you 
and maybe he felt like he was getting bullied. I mean, now that I agree with, I'm not saying that every church is for everybody because I've definitely talked to some people that thought that a certain church was, you know, the right fit for them. They went in, they heard, you know, the service or whatever. And then they were like, you know, at the end, they're like, okay, no, this is not for me. This is not, you know, what I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to achieve. So I, I get it. But at the same time, for you to go on Facebook and start talking about atheism, mm, that to me, in my opinion, that's kind of walking a fine line. Everybody's a right to their own opinion. That's true. So at the time of the shootings, Kelly was again living with his parents at their house in New Brunfels. He lied about his background to pass a background check and he was able to obtain a license from the department from the Texas Department of Public Safety as a security guard. He was a security guard at the Summit Vacation and RV Resort in New Brunfels. He had previously worked as an unarmed security guard at Schlitterbahn Water Park and, and Resort, which is also located in his hometown, but he was fired after less than six weeks on the job. While Kelly was working at Summit Vacation and RV Resort, a family that encountered him described him as creepy and another family member said that he seemed angry and annoyed by them and it seemed like he wanted to exert some authority. Now, I, I will say this, in my personal opinion, some security guards that I've run across do seem to have a nasty attitude. I will say that. I don't know if it's because they're not really happy with their job or you know, I'm not really sure. So I can speak on to this because I used to be a security guard. I know. Um, a lot of pe people try to treat us like cops, even though we're not cops. A lot of security guards try to act like cops, even though they're not cops. And it's one of those weird, vicious cycles. Security guard starts to act like a cop with a couple people and gets away with it because they think he has authority he starts to kind of believe his own swag and then runs into somebody that doesn't like authority figures. So it, it, and, and then it just ends up in a weird, vicious loop of hate that needs to stop. <laughs> so on the night of October 31st, less than a week before the shooting, Kelly attended a festival at the First Baptist Church and he was wearing all black. Two parishioners who were at the festival said that Kelly was acting so strangely that he had people keep an eye on him. At one point, one of the parishioners had to check him and make sure he wasn't carrying a firearm. A former Air, For Air Force colleague who had gotten temporarily reacquainted with him online claimed that Kelly would buy dogs and other animals and use them as target practice. He also had an obsession with mass murders, including the Charleston church shooting and even joked about committing one himself. She promptly blocked him on Facebook. I would too. Oh yeah, even I would. Like, that, that's, that's some crazy shit. No, you're not about to sit up here and talk about mass shootings or church shootings and then expect me to still be cool with you? Absolutely not. No. No, that's not gonna happen. So for those, those of you who don't know, the Charleston church shooting happened in 2015 where a white supremacist gunman killed nine African-Americans. This is actually when a lot of churches started hiring armed and unarmed security guards and actually even 
sometimes paying to have some of their parishioners and church staff go get concealed carry permits. They should. And, you know, it's really sad to say that, especially, you know, it's a church and you feel like you should really, if anywhere you should feel protected, you should feel protected in a church. But, you know, it's just not like that anymore. It's, it's just really not. So let's fast forward to the morning of the Sutherland Springs Church. So there was no no motive why Kelly chose this particular church. Some people have speculated that because his estranged second wife and her family attended that church, that might be the reason. It was also reported that prior to the shooting, he had sent threatening text messages to her mother. Kelly arrived in a white SUV a few minutes after 11 a.m. at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. Around 11.20, he stepped out of the SUV wearing black tactical gear, a ballistic vest, and a black face mask and that had a white skull and was wielding a Ruger AR-556 semi-automatic rifle. Did I say that right? Yes, that's right. He approached from the right where he opened fire and killed two people outside the church and continued firing at the church itself. Kelly then entered through the right side door where worshipers were attending their regular Sunday service. Once inside, Kelly was Kelly yelled, everybody dies, motherfuckers, and proceeded up and down the center aisle and shot at people in the pews. Kelly continued his rampage for 11 minutes. This is where having church members and staff and even security would have been great to eliminate or at least minimize loss of life. I mean, having a guard at the door or one at the door, one at the back, something like that would have been great. Right, but you're not expecting, you know what I'm saying? That's what I was saying. You're not expecting to be sitting in church and then all of a sudden some crazy fuck decides he's going to come in and just start shooting people. I agree. I agree. I was just kind of doing a callback to the last statement I had. But that, that, that's one of those things where, you know, having, having your CCW would have been a great idea in that situation. So, I mean, could you imagine how terrifying that would be for those that were there? That had to have been the longest 11 minutes of their life. 11 minutes can feel like forever when you're stressed. You've got that adrenaline dump going. I mean, I've eight seconds on a bull. Ask bull riders. It feels like an eternity. So I can only imagine what 11 minutes felt like. So according to investigators, the shooting was captured on a camera set up at the back of the church. The footage shows Kelly methodically shooting victims, only pausing to reload his rifle. Kelly was then confronted with Stephen Wilford and they exchanged fire. Wilford was a local resident and former firearms instructor and he was armed with an AR-15. Wilford had taken cover behind a truck across the street from the church. He shot Kelly twice, once in the leg, once in the upper torso, under his tactical gear. Kelly had dropped his rifle during the firefight and Wilford fired back with a handgun before fleeing in his SUV. Wilford fired one more round as Kelly sped up the street going north. Now, I'm going to say this. At this point, Wilford did a great job at deterring Kelly from causing more loss of life. 
and getting him away from the church. Yeah, I agree. But what he does next, in my opinion, is not the best option. I do get why he did it. Y'all, if the threat is leaving, trying to get in a try to get a direction to travel, a good description of the person, and call the police. So Wilford noticed a pickup truck that had pulled up to the intersection. Wilford got in on the passenger side and they began to pursue Kelly at high speed for about six minutes. It was reported that at one point they drove at speeds of up to 95 miles an hour. While the men were chasing Kelly, they called the police to report the route in the direction of the chase because they were naturally assuming that the police were headed to the church. So I told y'all this story was crazy. 95 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Most people have never even seen that on the speedometer. Those guys had to be full adrenaline dump. Well, they were trying to, I'm assuming they were, like you said, trying to get the threat away and maybe they were chasing him because they didn't want him to harm anybody else. True, true. So at some point during the chase, Kelly called his wife and spoke to her and his parents and told them that he had just been shot up at the church and told his father that he was injured and would not survive. He reportedly repeated and emphasized how sorry he was. By now, Kelly is bleeding from his injuries and lost control of his vehicle and hit a road sign before crossing the intersection. He finally stopped about 30 feet into a field on the opposite side. Wilford and Longdenford, that's the guy that was driving the pickup truck, saw that he was motionless and when police got there, they took over the scene. The police found Kelly dead in his car with three gunshot wounds, including a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. They also found two handguns in the vehicle, a Glock 19 and a Ruger SR-22 caliber. I'm really not sure what that is. Both Kelly had legally purchased. Now remember, he was not supposed to be able to purchase guns. So technically he purchased them illegally because he lied on the right. background check. Right. And it's a Ruger SR-22, which is a 22 caliber. All right. So again, the attack happened during Sunday service. 26 people were killed and 22 others were injured. Kelly killed 10 women, 7 men, 7 girls, one boy and an unborn child. Mm-hmm. I know that I can't. That is so upsetting. The oldest victim was 77, and one of the victims was the 14-year-old daughter of the pastor who was elsewhere the day of the attack. The visiting pastor died with eight family members, which in, which included the unborn child. Remember, this town is really small, so the hospital you know, they had may not have been equipped to handle all those injured people. So the injured people were taken to different hospitals in San Antonio and Houston. Those diff not having a big hospital really hurts survivability. Uh, in the army, you've got 60 minutes. It's called the golden hour, uh, especially with gunshot wounds and amputations. If you don't get them to a hospital in 60 minutes, the survivability rate plummets drastically. So, you know, having to be flown or driven to some other place really hurts the survivability. So 
So there was an investigation and investigators said the attack was not racially motivated or any type of prejudice, but by a dispute with Kelly's mother-in-law. So honestly, that's what I had figured. In 2021, a federal judge found that the military was mostly at fault for the mass shooting because it didn't report Kelly's previous assault conviction to the FBI, which could have prevented him from purchasing the semi-automatic rifle that he used. And in the end, the Air Force was ordered to pay $230 million to the victims and their families. The Air Force and the DOD just filed an appeal recently stating that they don't think they were liable. I don't know why they think that. Well, one, it's kind of policy. Make an appeal, see if they can get it like reduced or settled out of court, something like that for like a lower price. Um, but he yeah, killed twenty six people. Yeah, yeah, and and like, look, I understand it looks bad, but it's it's just one of those things. You, you appeal, you see if you can win the appeal. If not, they'll pay it. So, y'all, the story was a lie. What do y'all think? Do y'all think that the Air Force was liable? Do you think that more could have been done? Do you think that his parents knew about what kind of person he was? Tony, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, that, that really was a lot. Um, <laughs> it just proves to me you just never know what somebody's capable of. Just think about it. That guy was in the Air Force almost the exact yeah. time I was in the Army. So, that he could have been a guy in my unit. True. Something like that. And, I mean, do I think any of my guys could have done something like that? I, I would like to think not. I would hope not. Yeah. Because these are people that you're trusted with your life. Yeah. So, my opinion, do I think the Air Force fucked up? Absolutely. I think this was total bullshit. I don't understand how they could drop the ball so many times when dealing with this man. As far as his mental status, it was obvious that he had some mental things going on when he was in high school and it either went unnoticed or ignored. Another sad, unfortunate story that could have been avoided. You know, the, the, the shitty part of the whole Air Force thing is, is probably somebody just put the file at the bottom of the pile and it never got filled out. Well, I hope that wasn't the case. I just really do hope that this was a case of he accidentally slipped through the cracks. And I'm hoping that nothing like this will ever happen again. So, well, as always, thank y'all for listening. And we will talk to y'all the next episode. Deuces. Deuces.